When my wife, Laura, gets stressed and has anxiety, it helps her to talk about what she's wrestling with. I've learned uh, also that it doesn't help for me to then tell her what she needs to do about her anxiety. That just adds to her anxiety. But it helps her just to get it out, to talk about it. Now, I'm the opposite. I internalize my anxiety and I bury it down deep. How was your day? It was fine. It was great. And I keep burying that anxiety and stress down into myself until it just, it, it, I can't hold it anymore and it comes out sideways or it comes out directly and I end up harming other people with my words or my actions. I'm guessing maybe you kind of fit in one of these categories or somewhere in between, but in my stubbornness and my life's experience and wisdom, I've discovered that when I can push through my initial desire to internalize things and I can t also, like my wife, talk about my stress or my anxiety, and get it out, it actually helps. It's good, it's good to voice that, it's good to get it out, whether that's to, to Laura or someone else, it's a good friend of mine, that it really does help to get all that junk that we have deep down inside of us out of our systems. It doesn't fix the problem, but somehow we feel better. There's just something I think God designed in us to, to be able to share and get rid of some of this stuff and to let it get out. And so today I would just like to ask you, who do you talk to when you're stressed? Who do you go to when you're anxious? Are you like your pastor sometimes? You internalize it and you let it get down until it blows up? Or do you have someone in your life that you can trust and you can be yourself with and you can just let that anxiety out? Who do you talk to about your anxiety? Well, today we're gonna let Jesus and, and the Apostle Paul in the New Testament talk to us about how we can deal with some of our anxiety. And I think there's a lot of good news today. And so I just invite you again to keep in the back of your mind, who can I trust with my anxiety? Who can I talk to? And let's see what we learn today from scripture. We're gonna be in the first century and we're gonna look at the life of Paul. He was an evangelist. He shared the good news of Jesus all around the Mediterranean world. And he started churches, he wrote them letters and many of those letters have become our New Testament. And so we pick up the story today in first century and Paul is in a place called Ephesus, which would be in modern day Turkey. And he's in prison and he's awaiting trial. And at that trial, he might be uh, convicted and then sentenced to death. So Paul can understand a little bit about anxiety. He's probably been beaten up, maybe even stripped, thrown into prison and there he's in prison and he's anxious. But he's writing letters and he's writing letters to some of his friends and, and one of the letters that he's writing is to the church in Philippi, which is in modern day Greece and Paul has good friends there. And he's writing them letters of encouragement because they also are being persecuted. Paul's in prison because of his faith in Christ. He's being persecuted for his belief in following Jesus and the, and the, the church in Philippi, the Philippians are also undergoing persecution. They are a religious minority in their community and, and they're being persecuted and they're undergoing a great deal of suffering because of their faith in Jesus. And Paul is writing them to encourage them as they are also being persecuted for their faith. So let's see what this one man in an anxious position is writing to his friends in another anxious position about how to deal with their anxiety. So let's jump into Philippians Chapter four, beginning with verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I don't know about you, but that's not what I would expect Paul to say. 
from prison, maybe beaten, stripped, right? He might be executed. He's writing to a bunch of Christians who are also being persecuted and are suffering. And the words that come out of his mouth are rejoice, right? Rejoice in the Lord. Always I say rejoice. Paul's saying, yes, there's tough times, but there's always reasons for us to find goodness. What is it in your life that you can rejoice about? What can you be happy about? Focus on the good, even as we stand in tension with the things that are stressing us out. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let's, let's pause here for a second. Right? Paul's in prison for his faith. The Philippians are being persecuted for their faith. Your first probably instinct would be to retaliate to those who are persecuting you and fight back. And, and Paul says, don't do that. He says, let gentleness be evident to all. Don't jump on your social media, start trashing the people in Philippi, right? Respond not with retaliation, but with gentleness. And know that you're not alone. The Lord is near. The Lord is with you. You're not facing your anxiety by yourself. Let's see what he says next. Do not be anxious about anything. Paul is like Jesus, right? He gives us these words that, again, what? Easier said than done, right? The last two weeks, what have we looked at? Jesus says, do not worry, do not fear. And now evidently Paul understands Jesus because he says, do not be anxious about anything. Easy for you to say, Paul, right? You don't know what stress I'm under, right? He's in prison. He could be executed for his faith. He's been beaten up, right? It doesn't get much worse than that. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. How can he say that? How can Paul say that and expect us to believe that and hear that, right? Because we understand anxiety, right? We've been talking about, here's a, a definition of anxiety uh, that, that all of us feel, right? It's the feeling of fear, dread, or uneasiness, right? We all face anxiety in our lives, the stress, we don't want to get out of bed, our, our, our heart beats faster, we, we have the physical manifestation, we have the emotional manifestation, right? Just the, the, that feeling of dread, We've also talked some about anxiety disorders, right? When anxiety is so intense and excessive, it doesn't go away and worsens over time. Symptoms interfere with our daily activities such as job performance, schoolwork, relationships, right? For, for some of us, we have anxiety disorders and, and we need to seek help from physicians and from counselors and, and, and there's nothing wrong or shameful about that. It's just the way some of us are wired, right? So we have, all of us understand anxiety. Some of us are dealing with anxiety disorders. Right. How can Paul's words help all of us? Let's keep going and see what he says. But in every situation, right, the good and the bad, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let's leave that up there for a second. Right. When, when we are stressed out and anxious, right, Paul says, give it to God. Talk to God, right? Like my wife, Laura, she, she has to talk about it. She has to get it out, right? Give it over to God. Be thankful for the great things that are happening in our life and be thankful that God is ready to listen to us, right? So we can release that anxiety to God, to give it to Jesus, right? Through prayer and petition, present your request to God, right? Remember when Jesus got stressed out, what did he do? He would go off and he would pray to God the Father, right? And the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus himself dealt with anxiety, by offering it to God. So Paul says, trade your anxiety for thankfulness and be honest and give it to God, right? 
Release that, right? Let's see what happens. And the peace of God, right? Which I translate, that's in the brackets there, it's what I say, inner sense of contentment, right? That deep down inside of us, we feel content, right? So the peace of God, that inner sense of contentment, right? Which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let's hang on this slide one more time, right? right so when we, when we give Jesus our anxiety, we cast it upon him with our thanksgiving, right? It says that God's gonna do something that we don't expect. That we're gonna have a sense of contentment in our hearts, right? That just doesn't make sense. Think about it, right? Paul is in prison. He could be executed and he's telling people to rejoice. How is that? Because God has given him an inner sense of contentment. God has given him inner peace when it doesn't make sense. The only way that it makes sense is it's, it's divine, right? Paul knows I'm still in prison. I can still be executed, but I have this sense of contentment because God is with me and God hears the pain that I have, right? It's this great gift to us. Right, it says, so that peace will come upon us, right? So to the Philippians, when you're being persecuted for your faith, it's hard, you're in a tough external situation, but you can have internal peace, right? And I think that that translates to us when we're stressed out about work or we're stressed out about our marriage or we're stressed about a health issue, right? The stress is still there, but we can find God's inner peace that doesn't make sense. And the only way can we, we can receive this is by opening ourselves to God and God gives us this sense of inner peace. Doesn't change all the external circumstances, but it helps us deal with it and we have this sense of peace. And Paul even goes beyond, he says, I can even rejoice, right? And it says that peace will guard our hearts, will guard our minds in Christ Jesus, right? And, and what's behind this language in the original Greek that it was written, you can imagine an army garrison of soldiers that are sent to guard a city that's what this image is. God's peace is guarding our hearts and guarding our minds so that in the midst of the storm, we can still find inner peace and inner contentment, right? That is amazing. That's God's offer to us. Let's keep going. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let's leave this up, right? So now Paul's saying, right, look for the good in the world, right? Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, right? Focus on that. Focus on the good. Now, let's think about this. There's something else going on here, right? So the Philippians are being persecuted by their society, right? By the people that they live in. And so if you're being persecuted or attacked by people who are around you, what do you want to do, right? We want to retreat from that world, right? We want to retreat from the society, we wanna say those people are evil, I wanna get away from them. And what Paul's saying is, don't retreat from the world, right? The whole world's not evil, there's still good in the world. So even in the midst of your society where you're being persecuted and harmed, look for what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, right? And he's saying you, you can look places other than the church. Right? These are not just Christian values, right? These are everyday values, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, right? There is still good in the world. Don't retreat from the world. Now let's think about this in our time right now in America. It's a hard time to be an American, isn't it? Right? We're so tired of get the vaccine or I'm an anti-vaxxer or wear a mask or don't wear a mask, right? 
We've got the left, we've got the right, we've got everybody arguing against each other. We, we have different opinions about everything, right? And our initial instinct is when we're disagreeing with half the nation or half the people that we, we go to school with or work with, we want to what? We want to run and hide and stick our head in the sand. I'm, I'm tired of social media. I'm tired of looking at the news. Everything's so terrible. Like the world is evil. We want to get away from the world. Right? And that's okay for a little while. But Paul's saying, don't retreat from the world. The world needs you. Right? There's still good in the world. This is still God's world. There's still virtue in the world. And so in the midst of all the junk that's going on in our nation, in our world right now, look for what is good. Look for what is noble. Look for what is right. Look for what is pure. Right? Don't keep your head in the sand because God needs you to be out in the world being someone who is pure, being someone who is noble. Right? Whatever you see that's praiseworthy, think about such things. All right, let's keep going. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And this is where Paul says, right? See what I've done, right? See how I live my life. I follow Jesus, right? We still need to stand on our, our Christian principles, our Christian morals, right? They've seen Paul, right? He's been attacked and thrown into prison, beaten and stripped, and he still has joy, and he still is kind to people, and he still responds with gentleness. He doesn't jump on social media and blast people. He, he doesn't put his fist up and fight people. He still tries to love the world and to share Christ with people. So Paul says, look for whatever good you see in the world, but also stand in your Christian faith and examples. Remember me, remember, remember Jesus and how he reacted when he was attacked. Right, so this is powerful stuff that I think is very relevant as we live in a nation right now that has so much anxiety over every issue, right? Everybody's on one side or the other, right? It's just such a stressful time. And Paul's saying, rejoice. Present your challenges to God. Receive the peace, right? The inner peace of Christ and look for what is good in the world. Right, there's a lot, of, a lot of cool things here, but I think there's a few things we wanna highlight today. Let's see what they are. Let me jump to that first one, right? Paul's saying to dispense with anxiety, right? Give your anxiety to Jesus. Place your troubling issues and situations before God in the spirit of gratitude, right? Exchange your anxiety and stress for gratitude from Jesus, right? Give your cares to God, right? Allow God to give you his peace, right? Also that we can rejoice in good and bad times, right? It's easy to rejoice in good times, but we can rejoice in bad times, right? Right? When we're going through a hard time at work, when we're going through a hard time in school, when we're going through physical challenges, right? Whatever our stress is, we can still give God thanks, right? I think the key word here is in, right? It says in good and bad times. We don't have to rejoice for the bad times. Thank you, God, I lost my job. That was great, just when all my bills are due, right? Thank you, I got this diagnosis. You know, that, that's not what he's saying, right? We can rejoice in good times and in bad times because there's always something that's good in the world. There's always something that's good in Christ that we can rejoice for. Although Paul would make the argument to the Philippians that they could even rejoice in their suffering because they're like Jesus being persecuted for their faith and they can take just this joy that they are, they are like Jesus in what they're doing, right? But that's, that's a very unique circumstance and situation. We can rejoice in good and bad times, right? All right, let's keep going, Debbie. The way we think determines how we act. 
If we focus only on our anxiety, we're gonna be anxious people. But if we focus on what's good and noble and all that list that Paul made, right? Then we're gonna have a better life experience, right? We talked about this last week, right? Keep your eyes on Jesus or keep your eyes on your problem, right? The way we think determines how we act. And so if we're feeding ourselves with the good things in the world, then we're gonna act better, right? We're gonna have less stress. If we're focusing on the anxiety and think about all the stress, then that's gonna come out in how we live our lives. And that's not gonna be life to the full, okay? We keep going. Uh, have a reputation for gentleness rather than vengeful retaliation. I wish the world could do that. This is maybe the hardest thing that we can talk about today. When somebody says a different idea than you politically or whatever, in our nation, what do we do? We jump all over them. We jump all over them. We yell at them. We ignore them. We blast them on social media. We cuss them out. Our nation is so divided right now because we don't live like this. We retaliate first. We knock them down. We're strong. That's how you act, right? In business. That's how you act in the military. That's how you act in life. That's how you act on the, on the playground when the bullies come up, right? Have a reputation, though, Paul says, for gentleness rather than for retaliation. I invite you to shift gears for a second with me here. We've, we've been in this series about anxiety, and uh, we're going to keep doing that for a couple more weeks. But our focus has been on how God can help us deal with our anxiety. And I really believe that God is ready to help us with our anxiety. I, I believe that 100%. But I want to shift gears for a second, and I want to ask you a question. How do you create anxiety for other people? In your life, right, you don't want anxiety. But I'm guessing if you're like me, you create anxiety for other people. So let's shift the conversation for a second. Instead of thinking about how God can help us, how is God calling us to help other people? How do you create anxiety for people in your family? How do you create anxiety for people that you go to school with? How do you create anxiety for people that you work with? How do you create anxiety for people who are your neighbors? How do you create anxiety for the waiter or the waitress that's just having a rough day? How do you, let me ask you this, create anxiety for people you go to church with? Because anxiety even happens in churches, doesn't it? How do you create anxiety for people in your lives? How do you create anxiety for people in the world? I don't know about you, but I know there's people starving in the world and, and my family and I, we throw away food every day. There are people in our community who don't have clothes on their backs and I have closet full of clothes that I'll probably never wear again, but I hang on to them for whatever reason. How do we cause anxiety for other people? Right, I, think it's, I think it's something that God really calls us to, to wrestle with. Um, you know, a lot of times when something happens in, in our families and, and one of our members of our family is just going through a hard time of anxiety, you know, parents, children, whatever. It's like, you know, little Bobby's having a hard time. Maybe we should take Bobby to the counselor and see if Bobby can be helped by the counselor. And, that, and that's a good thing. Right? But if, hopefully if Bobby goes to a good family systems counselor, the counselor's gonna say, I don't just need to see Bobby. I need to see all of you. Y'all need to come in, parents and siblings, because the anxiety that's exhibited in Bobby is not just happen in isolation. It happens in a group. And so all of you are adding to the anxiety of Bobby. Right? And so we need to work through this together. 
Bobby has anxiety, we have anxiety. We cast anxiety on Bobby, Bobby back on us, and it's just a repeating circle. And so it's just not an isolated event. We are in this together. Anxiety, right, is a communal thing. It's a communal thing, and we really have to think through that. How do you cause anxiety in the life of other people? It's a challenging thing. And you know what? Sometimes we Christians, we do the exact opposite of what Jesus and Paul tell us to do. Right? And so we, we cause anxiety for others. Laura and I have a very good friend, lifelong Christian friend, goes to another church here in Charlotte, she and her family, and she stopped going to church. And why aren't you going to church? I just can't go to church. Why, why can't you go to church? Because the people in our church are such hypocrites and I can't sit in the same pew with them. I see what they post on social media. I see what they say about issues and how they deal with people who don't think like them. And, and she's talking about people on all sides of issues. She's like, I'm just tired. I can't go into a church building with these hypocrites who say they follow Jesus and they do this. And she's like, I'm done for a while. And that breaks my heart. But is she wrong in the way that we Christians deal with each other in the world today? Are we gentle or are we retaliatory? Right? The Christian church is a great thing. It's the body of Christ in the world. And we've done many great things for Jesus around the, around the world and in history. But you can also go back in history and see that the church has been a huge persecutor of people who don't act a certain way or looked a certain way or they have a different religious belief. And so the church has a terrible track record of not doing what Paul and Jesus ask us to do. How are we as a Christian church? How are we as a denomination? How are we as the church of Christ in the world causing people anxiety while we're acting like hypocrites? This is hard, I know. I'm causing you anxiety right now by asking you to wrestle with these questions. But, you know, we just played the Lord's Prayer and we love that prayer and it's a powerful prayer. And that section that goes, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What's the first part of that prayer? It's a focus on us. Forgive me, forgive us. But usually we skip past that. As followers of Jesus, I think we need to be honest about how we cause anxiety for other people. How do you, how do we, how do I cause anxiety for other people and how do we stop doing that? So what, what's the point today? What's the big idea? I think if you boil it down in a nutshell, this is what it is. Peace on the inside becomes peace on the outside. When we have the peace of God that transcends all understanding, we live like that. When we have anxiety in our hearts and our lives that we haven't dealt with, we take it out on the world. We take it out on our children. We take it out on our grandchildren. We take it out on our waiter and waitress. We take it out on the person that cuts us off in traffic. We take it out, right? When we have anxiety, if we don't deal with it, we're gonna give it to someone else. Peace inside, right? The peace that transcends all understanding becomes peace outside, the way that we treat others. We have the peace of Christ. We're causing less anxiety to people in our lives. So it all comes back to, right? What is that relationship with us? Peace on the inside becomes peace on the outside. All right, and let's keep going. All right, God's peace transcends understanding, right? God can help us with our anxiety. Do not obstruct it from expanding. Right? We don't want to get in the way of God's peace from 
hitting someone else, right? God's peace will transcend understanding. But if we obstruct that, if we get in the way of that and we cause other people anxiety, then that's not a good thing, right? So just wanna challenge you to do a few things this week. Maybe pick one of these things, right? Action step, right? One is put Paul to the test, right? He has a lot in these verses. Let's look at this just really quickly, right? Rejoice, know that God is near. Don't be anxious. Present your request to God through prayer. Give thanks, right? Receive God's peace. Focus on the good. Practice what we see in Jesus and Paul's examples. And the way we think determines how we act, right? If you're struggling with anxiety in your life, these are nine things that you can do. Nine things that you can do to help find peace in your life. And just go back and read the scripture. It's all in there, right? Nine things that we can do, right? Another action step is when you're facing adversity, respond gently rather than to retaliate. That's probably gonna be the hardest one for all of us, right? Respond gently rather than retaliate. And so then the final one would be this, right? Ask yourself, how do I create anxiety for people? I just invite you every day, start the day with that question. Pray about it, journal about it, right? Deal with it, talk to somebody about it. Right? Talk to God about it, right? That's what prayer is, talking to God about that, right? How do I create anxiety for other people? This week I was driving in uh, to work and I listen to sports radio a lot of times doing that. And uh, there's this segment on the sports radio show called What the Bleep? <laughs> and so uh, bleep is, is bleeping out a cuss word, like what the heck, right? So these guys on sports radio, they, they scour the news for like, for like news stories that just like make them think, what are you thinking? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, what the bleep, what's going on, right? And so this segment this week was stop fighting each other. And they talked about examples in our culture of how we just, we can't help but fight with each other. Uh, and, and one of the example was, Locally at a Waffle House here this past week, one of the cooks got in a fight with one of the customers, right? In a Waffle House, right? There's, we're all so stressed out. You think you go to Waffle House, you're gonna get some chocolate chip pancakes and you're throwing down with the cook, right? What the bleep, right? What the heck is wrong with you, right? Don't go to Waffle House and get in a fight with the cook, right? They, they talked about uh, the Clemson-Georgia game the other day, right? Last weekend, it was here in Charlotte and they said that a couple of the fans got into a fight. Well, that's probably no surprise, right? But the surprise was it wasn't a Georgia fan versus the Clemson fan. It was two Clemson fans fighting each other, right? Why are you fighting each other? Well, obviously they lost the game. Maybe that's why it was. They bounced back this week, of course, but right, what are you doing? And they said, at the happiest place on the planet, down in Disney, right? Right, in the Magic Kingdom, in line to get on the little ferry ride, right? With little girls, little boys, whatever, right? That parents got in a fight with each other in Disneyland, standing in line to ride the ferry. What the bleep? What is wrong with you people? Don't have peace. Yesterday we remembered the 20th anniversary of 9-11. It pains me still. I remember where I was. I was at Lake Junaluska at a preaching conference. One of my very best friends lived in the city, saw the planes come in and was running for their life, right? I'm madly calling them, right? So my son, Nathan comes to me and he interviews me. He's like, this is for school. Where were you 20 years ago? What happened? And he asked me, how is America different than when it was 20 years ago? I said, son, we're more divided than we were. Remember how united we were as a nation? 20 years fast forward, how we're not, 
right? How, how divided we are as a nation and people are like, well, what can I do about it? And how can I fight terrorism? How can I, how can I do that, right? And then I read the Observer this week and, and, and last week, right? There was a high school beef between some kids and a group of, of high schoolers allegedly, right? And then two cars drove up to a house, shot 150 rounds of bullets into the house and killed a three-year-old boy. Wounded his four-year-old sister in our city. Our city. What can we do about that? What kind of example are we giving our children in Charlotte, North Carolina? When we don't have peace of Christ in us, we don't share it with the world. When we have the peace of Jesus Christ in our hearts, we share it with the world. Do you want to lower the anxiety of the world? Do you want to have more peace in, in, in the world? Do, do you want to fight terrorism and violence and starvation and all that? It all starts with each and every one of us in our hearts. In our hearts. When we have the peace of Jesus inside, it becomes the peace of Jesus outside. So brothers and sisters, I want you to cling to these words of Paul that in the midst of challenging times, we can have good hope. We can rejoice because God is with us. And he's given us a simple way of stopping all the violence, stopping all the anger, stopping all the pain. Receive the peace of Jesus in your life and share it with the people in your life. Peace on the inside becomes peace on the outside. May you receive the peace of Jesus on the inside and may we share it as peace on the outside. And we will transform this world in the name of Christ. Amen.